0: Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the NOLCast. Bud, this is kind of our much-anticipated uh, general season preview. Uh, we've made our way throughout each position preview and kind of will give people uh, an overview as to what to expect without being too redundant as far as uh, dwelling on general pieces of the roster. So uh, this is one of my favorite shows of the year. Uh, very much look forward to uh, jumping into this with you. As always, want to thank... The good people at Louisiana Hot Sauce, uh, fantastic partners for us, great product, something that I use routinely. Uh, honestly, I'll be uh, upfront and kind of my use of Louisiana has shifted a little bit over time. I, I don't I always use it uh, as an end product if I've got a meal at lunch or something like that, but I need to spice up. But I, I've really started to enjoy incorporating Louisiana into just some general earlier stages of prep, whether you're cooking down some onions or anything else, it's just a fantastic product with a lot of flavor, some great seasoning and people that we're fortunate to be able to work with. Absolutely,
1: man. A Great sponsor for our show. And uh, what what, what really promises to be a hot season for the Knowles, this is our season pre episode, man, I I, I, just, the word I put at the top of our show notes, excitement. You got to be so excited to watch this team this year. I, I, I think like, there's excitement in so many directions like I'm really excited to watch it but I also think this is going to be an incredibly exciting product you know I, I really believe that Willie Taggart came here at the right time you know, there, there's a lot of ways to coach a football team we've we've spoken to Ingram about how uh, you know Taggart's viewed as, as a player's coach from the outside but from the inside when we talked to um, you know player parents and other, other coaches on staff and uh, they've told us you know kind of but He's also a lot more of a disciplinarian than the old guy was. The old guy was kind of a yeller and a screamer, and, and uh, wouldn't really follow through on discipline. Coach Taggart has come in and uh, doesn't yell and scream a whole lot, but when he does, the players sure take notice, and the discipline is uh, is more consistent and uh, more more swiftly uh, met out. So, I think that's something to be really excited about, and also the the buy in that he's getting from these players. You know, they' they're not having to coach effort very much and and in the past couple of years that has not always been true from all players i I, I, don't, I don't know about what you're hearing but I, I'm just hearing that the level of buy-in from these kids uh, is is really impressive um and, and man we, we hear this all the time with new coaching staffs but it, I, th- I think there may be reasons to believe uh, that that it's true here because these are elite level athletes who kind of have something to prove because the last guy kind of up and quit on them
0: buy-in's been improved uh certainly i mean i'm i'm a little concerned as to whether or not individuals be able to uh you know put their dancing habits at practice aside and be able to focus on individual plays uh that's said with as much sarcasm as possible uh i the buy ins through the roof and whether that be uh representative of what you've seen from guys on the academic front the strength of conditioning participation is night and day uh just what you see, general levels of uh, of um, effort and and how much uh, buy in you see in practice, even even at a general you know rep per rep basis, it's it's different according to those that I've spoken with that that have a chance to see this. So excitement, man, I think an excitement. Uh, like you said, it it has to do with the offense. It has to do with a lot of various products, but I think it's all encompassing around the product, whether it be the fan buy-in uh, those associated with the with the uh, program at a higher level when it comes to boosters there's a lot more a little bit of a, a singular message and not as many people pulling in different directions uh, there's just a general level of excitement and buy-in that is found throughout uh, every you know just about every every stage of the pyramid when you look at Florida State football right now it, it really is man
1: and, and I also think the Taggart has uh, has touched upon the, all the right notes in, in the off-field stuff. And like we said, it, it's talking season. And that's not the most important stuff, but it, it's also thing, not things that don't matter. Bringing back Mickey Andrews as the defensive coordinator, I, I think is, is, a, is a big deal as a symbolic gesture and also to, to help the kids realize just what this program could be. You know, Letting them know who Deion Sanders was, who Bobby Bowden was, letting them know about, about the footsteps that they now walk in, those footsteps in which they follow. Uh, I, I think that that the kids are are really excited to get out there, uh, and and prove something and, and and play hard and and you know I I don't know what kind of season they're going to have, man, but I think they'll they're, they'll be a good team and we'll discuss that at the end of the show just how good we think they'll be. Uh, but I I think there's another element of excitement here, the the new schemes on offense and defense are are a good bit different, particularly on the offensive side uh, from what you were used to running and and so I, I think that is, is something that you're going to get to see this team learn and grow every week, and probably with, with a good amount of excitement and probably with some craziness, right? There will be some awesome plays. There will probably be awesome plays that, that, that drive you nuts, not unlike any scheme out there, uh, but it is year one. And in year one, there's a lot of learning that goes on after camp. There's a lot of learning that goes on during the season. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why, why year one teams typically don't come out and, and, uh, and run the table and go 12-0 and 0 and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we had a great article on TomahawkNation.com today. Just the the huge swath of variance in terms of year one records from coaches who ended up being really successful, like Kirby Smart almost missing a bowl at Georgia, right? where they go, seven and six his first year, I think. To uh, you know, Urban Meyer, awesome first year at at Ohio State. Just totally different different sides of the spectrum. Uh, year one results are not highly correlated with future results. It's the most high variance year that you can have simply because of of all the newness of it. Um, And other programs you don't have new coaches get a head start on you. But uh, I'm really excited to see what this year uh, brings. I'm also excited, man, to let people know uh, about the Madison Social cast Bar Crawl.
0: How cool is this going to be, man? Yeah, we're jumping right into it. It's it's fantastic. We couldn't have better uh, better people to pair with. There's there's nobody else that's kind of interwoven themselves into the experience that being a fan is than than our friends at For the Table and their various properties. Uh, we do uh, have to say, and and this is a positive thing, but at this point. Um, I believe there's been drinks-only tickets created because we've sold out of our koozies. We ordered a significant amount, and that's a, a great thing that we've gone through, the the tickets that are allotted there. But just want to let people know that you may see a, a different ticket made available because uh, we are trying to get koozies down, uh, but I just don't know that it'll be logistically possible at this point. So thank you to all those who have decided to attend. Uh, thoroughly would uh, enjoy, or would thoroughly ask that you consider to uh to join us if you haven't. It. Uh it's it's one of the most positive things that we've done since we've been doing this podcast as far as the, the spring kind of meet and greet and uh really look forward to taking part of this pub crawl on Sunday and uh just riding that straight into uh what appears to be a very special Monday evening. I I really can't wait for it. It's gonna be awesome.
1: Two to six ish. Uh two to four will be the check in time. Actual crawling probably four to Maybe 7 ish we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how late we, we can push that thing. Uh, $20 ticket, free drinks, hanging out with us. I mean, gosh, I, I, you'd want to do that without even even the free drinks. Hard to even put a value on that, definitely. Uh, yeah. Definitely cannot. So uh, come see us there and uh, link on our Twitter page, uh, which is at NoelCast on Twitter. Uh, you can find that. Mattis Social also tweeting out the links a good bit. So very excited about that. And you can find it on Facebook as well uh the game day weekend bark crawl with the null cast and proof brewing. So with that, Igram, I I think we should get into uh get into the the talk of the Gulf Coast offense here in our season preview episode.
0: Let's do it, man. I mean <clears throat> we've we've talked about the the pace of play. We've talked about all the different ingredients that are going to uh go into some of the changes, whether it be changing scheme, how the players are what they're asked to to read, how they're asked to dictate various keys, Uh, hopefully an offense that uh, caters more to the strengths found uh, within each individual player. Um, Fascinating, fascinating to talk about. And at the same time, um, I'm fortunate to be able to work with you and you and I think we've got a pretty good idea as to what this is going to look like, but you know, ultimately we're not going to know. We're not going to know until it's fully implemented and and we're not going to know, uh, exactly what this this offense is designed or, or want to be is going to look like until we probably have three or four or five games to look back on. But it's going to be a dramatic dramatic shift, and everybody from the band to the the casual fan and uh, their viewing habits are going to have to be altered some because it is it is not going to be in any way shape or form what we've seen over the past seven or eight years. Okay, so
1: if you are have you been in a coma since uh, like November, right? And you were saying, I wonder what Florida State's offense looks like. I see they've hired this new coach, Willie Taggart, and offensive coordinator, Walt Bell. Uh, well, I've got some good news for you. I'm going to tell you what their offense looks like quickly. First of all, when you first see it, you're going to see receivers spread extremely wide on the field. If you, haven't, uh, if you ever watched Baylor back in the day under Art Bryles, simply football talk here, not any of the off-field uh, stuff, you would see just how wide those are. I did a good article on that on Tom Nation called Spitting on the Sidelines, talking about about FSU's receiver alignments. Basically, it it forces the defense into some choices, and it helps to simplify the reads for the quarterback. Now, what are you reading? You're reading a lot of different stuff, mostly positioning of, of defenders, and you're doing it at a high tempo. This offense is going to operate at a very high tempo. Last year, Florida State was 127th out of 130 in pace. That is really slow. Here's to the service academies. Yeah, and Wisconsin. If you have a talent advantage like Florida State has over most opponents, you should want to go really as fast as possible within reason. Last year, Oregon was eighth. That Look, I'm not saying that Florida State's going to be eighth in adjusted pace metric. However, they're going to be a lot faster than 127th. I think it's reasonable to expect that they will be uh, top third nationally in pace, and going from 127th to you know top 40, top 30 ish is uh, is still a big deal. This is also 100% a running offense. There is a misnomer out there that the spread is is a passing offense. That's not true. There are multiple types of spread. This is a smash mouth offense from spread formations. Here's a stat for you: Since Willie Taggart switched to the Gulf Coast offense in 2015. Here are the rankings in terms of of the percentage of plays, which were runs versus passes. 2015, 10th in the nation. 2016, 17th. 2017, 14th. So Willie Taggart, with his offenses, there's about 10 to 12 teams in the nation that run the ball more often, and there's about 100 that run it less often. Just to give you perspective here, they, they are running the ball more than 60% of the time, and that's called run plays, not not including scrambles or whatnot, of which there will certainly be, be a couple. So this is an offense that wants to run the ball a lot. What does that look like? Well, if you have 75 plays in the game, that means they're probably going to run the ball about 50 times and throw it 25. These throws in this offense are going to be different as well. Almost every throw is going to have some sort of play action element to it. There'll be, there'll be more screens, certainly more RPO game than what Florida State ran, and a lot of play action. One key fundamental difference is how they look to control the football. Under the old offense, they controlled the ball and control, controlled the game with the short passing game. This offense looks to control the ball via the run. When they do pass, they're looking for free yards via uncovered guys like screens, or they're looking to hit home runs with deep shots. There is not as much of an intermediate passing game especially just of the straight dropback variety, not including play action, uh, than there was in the old offense. I actually think this is a smarter approach because you can do the low-risk, high-explosive approach in college in a way that you really can't in the NFL. So wide receiver splits, very wide, force the defense to, to spread wide, then run it at them, especially between the tackles, at a very high pace. Make the defense consistently be in simple looks, don't allow them to, to signal in a bunch of complex blitzes and make them get aligned quickly with your tempo and pound on them. And I don't know where you want to start first with, with the personnel talk here, but uh, Florida State's got some nice personnel on offense in, in a number of spots.
0: Yeah, I think you did a good job of, of kind of breaking down what the scheme, both what they want to do and what it will kind of visually appear to people uh, let's do talk about some of the, you know, key pieces, uh, guys that we saw last year and kind of how their skills will transfer into this offense. And, and maybe more importantly, uh, one or two guys that we didn't see uh, that may end up being, you know, more, some of the more integral pieces when it, when it comes to what the golf it's uh golf coast offense is trying to do.
1: Yeah. So at quarterback, it's going to be DeAndre Francois. Then uh, Willie Taggart announced it. Um, Look, DeAndre Francois has, has some certain skills. Number one, in judging him versus the other quarterbacks, what does he do the better than those guys? Number one, he has a very quick release. He has the fastest release of the three. Uh, the arm strength is good. I don't know if it's like the best arm in the world, but I think it's it's pretty darn good. Um, I would say Blackman probably has the, the best arm on the team, but Francois has the quickest release. So in terms of the time it takes the ball to get there, They're probably a wash because Blackman's windup is is, is longer even if his ball has better RPMs. Uh, But the real thing I think that makes Francois stand out is his identification of where to throw the football. He's not always the most accurate passer, although that could be improved with better footwork. We'll have to see about that. Um, I was told in scrimmages he still missed some throws, but so did all the other QBs. Uh, But knowing where to go with the football and avoiding turnovers uh, what was really, I think, the key deciding factor in this QB race. And so you're going to go with a guy who, who can kind of be your point guard, can distribute the ball, and he's also the most mobile, uh, coming off the knee injury even, of all three QBs. So I think you have to feel very good with where you're at with quarterback. Probably not a superstar-level QB, uh, but the position is excellent because you, ha- you have great depth. So uh, if one of your QBs does go down with an injury or something, um, or an effectiveness, you can pull him and put in another guy. I don't think there's that big of a gap between uh, Francois and Blackman and, and maybe to some extent uh, Hockman as well, man. But the
0: the stars of this unit are undoubtedly the, the running backs. So Cam Akers is is the first name that we're going to mention. It's the first name that uh, most people will associate with uh, the running backs and perhaps the offense uh, as a whole. Uh, just a – exceptionally special player I think the real key at least for me is to see uh, like how, how much does his general knowledge of the position ramp up uh, as he you know transitions from high school quarterback really high school do everything possible uh, to to a running back does he look I'm not trying to nitpick the kid he had a great freshman year uh, but there's tiny little things he can he could be a little bit more patient he can uh, do a little bit jo- better job of letting the hole open for him, he can do a better job of using his blockers Uh, so unfortunately for him, he follows what is the best running back in program history and everybody in their mind uh, has, you know, well Dalvin might have taken that to house, etc I really look forward to seeing what Cam Akers becomes in this offense and if he becomes uh, the absolute dominant force that that he appears to be on the verge of becoming.
1: Look when, when Tagger got here, uh, there were a lot of guys he had to learn about. Akers was not one of those guys. He already knew exactly who Akers was, and he literally said he's the prototype. And this is a guy who's had really great run of He had Marlon Mack at USF, who was elite. He had Bryce Freeman at Oregon, who was elite. And yet, I think at Akers, you've got a guy who's just a, another level above them. Um, now, they held him out, I believe, of both scrimmages. They know exactly what Cam Akers can do. And if Cam Akers gets the ball 15 to 20 times a game, uh, the Cam Akers is is going to be a guy with, with a really nice season. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see him go for, you know, 1,500 all-purpose yards, um, you know, rushing, receiving combined. Heck, maybe, maybe 1,600 or something like that. I think he he's going to really have a nice year in this offense. Just the the blend of, of speed and power. And like you said, I, I'm, I'm also anxious to see how, how he develops in terms of understanding of the offense and patience and – and more the natural feel for the, for the position as a former high school quarterback who it's only his second year playing the running back position. And, and how does he catch the ball out of the backfield? I'm sure they'll do some RPOs where it's, it's hey, motion cam out, and uh, I mean this is just something they've done in Oregon and USF. You send the back out of the backfield, if the linebacker goes with him, okay, quarterback draw. If he doesn't, flip it out to Cam Akers. I like having the ball in Cam Akers' hands with him already in motion. Cam Akers with a head start is kind of unfair. So – that's just that's sort of some examples of the simple stuff this offense can do with a playmaker like Acres, and yet you you also have some some really impressive guys behind him as well. I mean, you have uh, you know Kalen LeBorn, who is probably faster, uh, top end, maybe a little more wiggle, and you saw it in the spring game. Can can certainly hit some some home runs for you. Uh, has always, caught the ball well out of the backfield. And, and talk about a guy who's motivated. I think he's very eager to prove. That he should have played as a freshman. You ask him; he's been asked six ways from Sunday. Hey, any benefit to, to redshirting last year? And, and uh, there's not a lot. <laughs> no. not, not a lot of. If there is, no. he didn't find it. No, he was not he's, a fan. He's not playing along with that. Not a fan. Um, you know, so I'm very excited to see what he's able to do in this offense. I think they are going to hit a good number of explosive runs this year within the run game. I I do think early on. You will likely see defenses uh, force Francois to keep the football, uh, and just to see how well he takes hits, and that'll be an important part because certainly, uh, in this offense, the the QB run is is not—he's not a battering battering ram. He's not somebody who's going to run the ball fifteen to twenty times a game or anything like that. But you know, eight-ish runs, you know, six, eight, ten quarterback runs to keep the defense honest. You know, maybe, maybe two a quarter. Uh, that that is an important and vital part to this offense to make sure the numbers work and make sure that the the defense has to account for the QB as a runner, which is you know something that's that's fairly different uh, at Florida State <laughs> uh, from from previous years. So I think early on, maybe we'll see that. But ultimately, uh, I, I think the the combination of running backs they have uh, is is going to be difficult for a lot of defenses to stop. and And Jock has Patrick, who, I think is going to have the best season he's ever had. At least on, on a per carry basis, I and mean, your, your senior who came back and um, best shape of his life, et cetera, et cetera, and, and is running hard, maybe running behind his pads and bigger than we've ever seen uh, as far as running bigger. Um, and you know, you also have Amir Rasul, who's an elite elite level track guy, and Anthony Grant, who's kind of been one of the stars of camp, a bit of a revelation there. Um, you got to think if. But you just have to be really excited about what Florida State has at the running back position. There, there's some te- some holes on this team, some spots where they're going to need to recruit for the next you know one, two, three years to fix. Running back's not one of those. I would put this running back group up against any of the nation. I, I really would, and I think you know, maybe the only one you'd want over it
0: was, was Bama. And if you could say that about any position, you're, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's just a embarrassment of riches and. uh thank you thank you Jimbo Fisher it is the one one position that he left uh, just extraordinarily stocked and it will be very interesting to see what becomes of the pieces we've just talked about um uh, let's move to, to wide receiver obviously we've done all the position previews so we're not we're not trying to be redundant uh more just trying to weave a narrative as to how these different pieces are going to be incorporated in the Gulf Coast offense but uh It certainly feels as though you've got, you know, one wide receiver in Tamori and Terry that is about to burst onto the scene and um, maybe a couple other guys that don't have, uh, you know, super impressive uh, statistics as far as yards and things like that. They're just going to be limited by the number of balls thrown to him in general, but I do, and, and this is something we've talked about since day one, the ability to, to hit home run plays, the explosive play, I think is going to be there for the receivers just at a level that, that they haven't seen in a long time. So uh, I'm fascinated to see how the uh, all the receivers are, are worked into the mix. Uh, I think you've got some exceptionally talented guys that are uh, fighting for places in kind of two, three, and four, and that'll be interesting to see how that all sorts itself out. Uh, but you've got some, some really good pieces and, and some young pieces that are going to be incorporated in this offense in a way that I think is going to be uh, pretty consistent with the general level of excitement that we've talked about.
1: 100%. I, I think that early on we are going to see defenses test Florida State to see if they can th- complete the deep ball. Uh, obviously, accuracy has been an issue for some of the quarterbacks and I think Francois is going to have to prove that he can throw the football uh, accurately deep. Um, and also, look, the guys on the outside are at the college level completely unproven. Right? You have uh, Tamari and Terry, who I think has um, has real star potential. You have Keith Gavin, who is is much better, I believe, than he showed in the spring game, but yet has yet to really do a, a damn thing in, in a game. Uh, and then perhaps you can run Nyquan Murray on the outside, which I think is something they will do Perhaps more often than people think, because you have DJ Matthews and the emerging freshman in Keyshawn Hilton there uh, to, in order to help them out in the slot. But you have the size and you have the speed on the outside. Terry, when he's been healthy in camp, has made plays. And I'm look if if he can stay healthy this year, I do believe Tamar and Terry is one of your your breakout guys. If you guys play in a college fantasy league. Um, He's not a bad guy to take a late-round flyer on it, I think, because he really does have the big play potential and then perhaps also you know, the red zone potential. We'll see how Keith Gavin catches the ball. Um, you know, Is he going to go up and actually play big? A lot of times when he goes up now, he doesn't play big. He kind of plays small. and You can't be 6'3", 215 and, and play like you're 5'10", 170. Uh, it doesn't doesn't work. So If he's able to do that, and I'm sure he's really anxious to prove uh, that he can, but I'm, I'm thinking that that he could have a better year than some people think. NyQuan Murray back for his his senior year, and um, I think he's got something to prove too, right? Because he he had a very down year last year, after having a pretty promising sophomore campaign in 2016, including the game winning catch uh, in the Orange Bowl and, and the, the game winning catch at NC State. Uh, and Francois and him have do have a real special chemistry. They they grew up playing together. Um, when he's in trouble, Francois will oftentimes look to Murray. Now, he's smaller, but I think he does catch the ball well, ha- finds a way to get open. I, I, outside receiver is going to be a question they have to answer, but but I do think that they have enough talent to answer it uh, frequently, not all the time. So I'm sure if there will be a weakness to this offense, it, it may be uh, the outside receivers perhaps being a year away. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. And on the inside – look at DJ Matthews who's been limited by injuries in camp some uh, I think DJ Matthews has absolute star potential there's no doubt in my mind he is an incredibly difficult cover in the slot and with how much space this offense creates that's going to be a tremendous issue for some defenses and young Keyshawn Hilton as well uh, has basically been kind of unguardable in camp and I didn't expect him to play much this year but now I do and now I think he's actually going to catch a, a decent number of footballs and um, you got those guys to go along with uh, uh, with, with Trey McKinney as well, man. Um, you know, And, and Trey McKinney at tight end, I think, could have a decent year as well. We, we, we spoke about him in the receivers and tight ends podcast, but a uh, freakish athlete. Can the production match the athleticism? He's always been a freak athlete. Can, can he understand the better nuances of the position and put them to, to use and really catch the football better, understand how to, how to use the athleticism to get open because after the catch, I, I think he's going to be a total beast. So can they, they do a good job of scheming him open on things, mm-hmm. which I believe they will because you want that guy with the ball in his hands running through the, the opposition secondary. Um, and then can he get get himself open in one-on-one coverage? I, I think that that's the question to be answered there because they, they want to create explosive plays, right? They don't have a goal number of, of plays to run. They want to run it as fast as they need to go. To create explosive plays they're not trying to run 10 and 12 play drives the, the, the preference of college football nowadays among these elite offenses is to create mismatches and hit home runs they want to be a home run hitting offense and I think they have the pieces to do that uh, a lot more often than they did last year certainly
0: so just one more thing I'll add before we leave the backs and receivers uh, fascinated to see how uh, pre-snap motion is incorporated into this offense? How they use it? Uh, I'm a huge fan of it, uh, just from a uh, general idea. It can it can help you create mismatches. It can help you identify what type of defense the or what uh, you know type of uh, whether defense is in man or zone or how they're going to try to match up with you. It uh, it can be a great thing, and it, and it can really create some uh, some situations where you can have some big plays. So whether it be Uh, a back-end motion or or you see kind of the jet motion from a wide receiver. Uh, I'm just fascinated to see how this is incorporated into the offense and ultimately how it sets up the two units that we just talked about.
1: And, you know, there's another freshman we should probably mention briefly, but that's Trayshawn Harrison, who I believe will be a big-time jet motion guy for them. Raw raw is a route runner, but, man, explosive is all get-out and really somebody I think they could use in this offense, uh, not only in a pass-catching sense, uh, but also in, in, in some of that jet, like you said, and and, and maybe some, some sweeps and handoffs and just another guy who you want to try to get the ball in his hand to see what, see what he can do. And then there's the guys blocking for him. Uh, and while I have some questions about the receiver position, I, I do have more questions about the offensive line. Um, this was the only position that I think we really weren't sure on offense that they would take a step forward uh, from last year. And – I think that the tackles that they have are going to be okay. Not special, but okay. Juwan Williams, I I think, is going to be decent. And Landon Dickerson, I think, is going to be very good for a guard playing tackle. But as we discussed on the offensive line preview show, he's still a guard playing tackle. He would be an all-conference, maybe all-America type guard, I believe, if he can stay healthy. And the healthy word is really the key. The drop-off from Florida State starting two tackles to its backups is huge. That is probably the greatest value of a replacement player that they have on this roster. And if one of those guys gets hurt, they are in trouble. Period. I I don't know another way to say it. They, they don't have good players there as backups. They have significant liabilities there as backups. On the interior, I, I feel pretty good about it. I think Alec Everly is primed to have the best season he's ever had at center. And I think with with your guards, it means you can stay healthy or, or Derek Kelly uh, or or Mike Arnold. I think you can be decent inside. Um, you know, if they hadn't lost Josh Ball to the domestic violence dismissal, then I think you would have been really good inside because you could have left Landon Dickerson there and then you could have had Ball still on the outside, but obviously he had to go. And uh, you know that, that's, that hurts this roster a lot. They, they definitely miss him uh, for sure. So, yeah, man, offensive line. If they can stay healthy, I
0: think they're good. If they get injuries, I think they're in trouble. Fair enough. Um, anything else we want to mention as far as the uh, particular offense? I, I know we've tried to give our confidence ratings. Uh, obviously, one, one thing that we're going to want to mention, and we've referenced this many times, is is just the general pace in play and play and how different that's going to be. Uh, from like we said whether you're a marching chief or you're uh, just a a fan in the stands it's uh, all of this that we've talked about is is going to unfold in front of you in a level that you've otherwise haven't seen as a college football fan so uh, just get ready for for a level of play that uh, I'm not trying to say they're like a Chad Morris offense or something like that not necessarily trying to uh, snap the ball 98 times in a game. But uh, compared to what we've seen, it's uh, it's going to be quite the different product.
1: All right, Ingram. So here's something for you. Let's go 1-10. to 10. How confident are you that this offense will be better than last year's offense? And as a reminder, last year's offense was 76th nationally in,
0: in S&P+. Plus. 76th. I almost feel like that has elements of kindness to him, uh, according to parts of what I saw from us last year. Oh uh, man, I, I'm gonna say. And, and look, we can always, you know, take the, take the uh, asterisks away of injuries or concentrated injuries of the offensive line, etc. Uh, I, I would say that I would place it right around a pretty healthy nine. I think this is going to be a, a better offense and uh, maybe a significantly better offense.
1: I I agree with you. I think. Uh... I, I tell you what, I, I'm going to go 10. I, I, I don't see – even with offensive line injuries, I I still would have an extremely hard time believing this offense could be worse than 76 NASCAR. So I'm going to go 10. I am fully confident they will improve on last year's offensive ranking. And I got to tell you, man, I think they, they actually could get up – they might be able to improve 50 spots. Like legitimately be a top 25 level offense uh, if uh, – if they can stay moderately healthy and maybe maybe even
0: a little bit better uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that man yeah i think with good health you can you can expect a top 30 top 35 offense absolutely i, I don't think you're being a, a a homer to to expect something like that you've got the pieces you've got a a different uh, mentality when it comes to how the offense is addressed uh and the opportunities that some of the playmakers are going to get. Uh, I'm fascinated by what it turns out, but I, I think uh, as a Florida State fan, you are not out of uh, out of your mind to expect a top 35 offense out of out of this group. And of course, we're, by, by that we we mean S and P Plus ratings, not
1: total yards. All right. Uh, before we talk defense, we should probably talk Resolution Home Loans. They're back with us for another season. Res, resolution Home Loans. Chad and Shannon want to get you hooked up with the best possible home loan for your needs they want to do it with lethal, lethal simplicity and they want to do it at turbo tempo those things together combine with great customer service with their almost almost home program they want to get you closed fast they guarantee it and they underwrite the loan themselves so you know you're, you're good for, for what you're approved for very excited to have them as partners again how do you get in contact with these guys We've already had, what, seven or eight of our, of our listeners have done so uh, and, and have given us great feedback on, on their mortgages. And, and when they do, we also send them a NOLCAST T-shirt. So obviously, it's a small consolation to throw in uh, with the prize that really is a great mortgage experience with a great rate and customer service and certainty. Uh, but uh, 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or simply go to NOLCAST.com slash loan. That's NOLCAST.com slash loan and our portable directory right to them. So very happy to have Res- Resolution Home Loans on board again with us. And uh, with that, let's get to the defense, man. It's just going to be a different defensive scheme as well.
0: It is, and it's something that uh, I am excited about the offense. I look forward to it. But for me, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned this. Uh, the, to me, like the the DNA of Florida State's program is, is having – great offensive playmakers and letting people get in space and having an entertaining offense. But defense is what makes me tick as a fan and what I think so much of this program uh, is built around. And I am, uh, I am very, very eager to see how this all plays out and and what it looks like on paper. We've talked about that. This defense is somewhat what a modern evolution of the Mickey Andrews defense would look, uh, you know, 20 years later um and i'm i am very very excited to see uh what it looks like some of the matchups that are created and ultimately how uh Florida State decides to try to try to leverage what offenses do and and use the athletes that they have at their disposal. Absolutely, man. So the lethal simplicity does not does
1: not refer solely to to what they're going to do on offense but also on defense and look, they're going to play a base cover four system out of a 4-3 defense, really more of a four two five 2 when, when they face uh, spread teams, which is most often, uh, they're going to run a, a, a cover four scheme. Uh, now, with cover four, against vertical routes, those four defenders, your two safeties and two corners, basically convert to man-to-man coverage. So if you're watching this at home as, as just a casual fan or, or maybe even a pretty intense fan, there's going to be a lot of plays in which you're really not sure if they're playing man-to-man or zone. And that's pretty cool because you know who else may not be sure sometimes?
0: I was The say, offense. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. They're going to make receivers earn every single yard with aggressive press coverage. We've already spoken about the better press technique that these guys are using. I'm not saying it's better like, hey, this type of technique is better. No, they're just teaching it better. And the kids are displaying better technique uh, in practice and so far in scrimmages and whatnot. So very excited about that um, up front. They are going to turn the defensive line loose more. Last, the last defense was more about gap discipline, uh, holding up blockers so that the linebackers could run free, uh, and and not so much tackles for loss. This defense is is the opposite. There's no really right or wrong way to play defense within reason, and uh, this defense is is what Michigan State does. They want to get in the backfield. They want to cause chaos. They want to get negative plays. they they really want to get the offense off the field fast. And with that, they will allow more long plays. I believe more explosive plays will be given up at times uh, than the old defense gave up. But I also believe the trade off there will be that Florida State will allow fewer uh, long drives that, that go on and on and on. And we've said this multiple times now on this show, but if you're a new listener, this is what we want to call complimentary football, right? This offense. If it gets to 85, 90 plays, it's going to kill people, period. Like, you, you can't you can't give this offense 85, 90 plays. It, it's really going to do some damage. So if you're the defense, you want to get the ball back to them as quickly as possible. You want to see Florida State run 14, 15 possessions in a game. Because if that happens, I mean, they, they, there's going to be games where they drop 45 and 50 on people. Um, that's, that's the goal here is to, get, is to get the ball back quickly. So you want to do that via three and outs. How do you get three and outs? Well, negative plays, turnover, sacks—that that, that can really help you there. Will you take a little trade off from uh, from from some long plays, some explosive passes? Yes, you will. But you're going to make them earn it. You're going to make them be- beat your corners deep, and you're going to make the DB throw a good ball. They shouldn't just be running wide open uh, that much. But if, if they if they beat you one on one, okay, you know, get them next time. So that, that that's kind of the, the base scheme there. The linebackers are are coached to be very aggressive and think run first. The safeties are aligned at about eight to ten yards depth, and they uh, they do read run to pass, but but they're a little more uh, pass defenders than they were in the old scheme at times. So uh, with that, we should probably talk a little bit about the uh, the personnel that they're going to use on defense.
0: For sure. So we'll. Uh... You know, we'll start up front and start with the strengths and work our way through the back of the the defense. Uh, obviously, the conversation that uh, a lot of people have had and one of the larger names that's uh, that's kind of popped out of camp has been Brian Burns, which is not a uh, not a surprise by any means. Uh, Burns had a amazing freshman year, had a little bit of a uh, fallback to reality as a sophomore, but appears to have. Uh, continue to kind of shape his body. And like I said, he's always going to be um, a little bit of an undersized defensive end, but uh, appears to have put on some good strength and and has you know one of the better takeoffs in college football. So uh, Burns has a chance to be just an exceptionally dynamic player. And uh, if you get good level of play from from Wilson and Christmas and uh, whoever it is on the other side of uh, of the line from him, then, then you've got the pieces necessary to maybe hide some of the deficiencies that exist in other parts of uh, of, the, of the defense.
1: 100%. I think this is going to be a, a very good defensive line. They will miss no, nose guard Derek Nottie, uh, but like like you said, Brian Burns has the chance to really cause, cause some absolute chaos off the edge. I know he's been doing it in FSU's practices and scrimmages. I mean, he he's a guy that can actually like blow up the mesh point at times and, and really, really cause havoc with his explosiveness. He's got something to prove this year, for sure. I think Demarcus Christmas on the inside is, you know, is a really good player. They have good depth there. Um, on the outside, I think one of the wild cards is really going to be Josh Kendo, Kendo, who you know we think had some kind of shoulder thing, but he won't reveal what his injury was, and neither will the team. And I, I, I'm guessing that's some sort of, uh, you know, maybe HIPAA thing or or, or whatnot. Uh, but uh, that's one of your five stars. And when healthy, I think he has the potential to be pretty dominant. But how rusty will he be? How much did that injury set him back? We don't know. But if, if, if you get him going, and there's no guarantee that you do, but if you get him going at, at anything close to top level, then this defensive line is going to be problems for a lot of people. And when you combine that with, I think you're going to have really good corner play. From everything I've heard so far, they've been very happy with the corner duo of uh, uh, Levante Taylor and Kyle Myers, especially Taylor, who has just been dominant, and I believe this is his money year. I, if he has a good year, I would expect him to go pro early. Uh, and in the back end, with with Stanford Samuels the third playing that Zeus safety position, as well as as maybe a reliable but not special athlete in HJ Westbrook, I think you got to feel really good about about your secondary there. Uh, linebacker is is probably the only uh, the only big time concern that that I would have, and, and that's. Uh, that's been one that's been throughout camp. Um, you know, that's probably the only position on this defense that I don't think will be better than last year's. And I'm, I could be wrong on that, but we'll see. I like Dontavius Jackson, um, and I, I like what they're doing with, with, with Jaden Woodby at the star position along along with DeKalen Brooks. The question is just going to be can you actually play Jaden Woodby and, and DeKalen Brooks, who are both built like safeties? as two or three linebackers when you play some of these teams that will make you keep three linebackers on the field. And there are some teams like that on this schedule, and we'll discuss those on a week-to-week basis when we preview these games. Uh, Virginia Tech, however, will be one. Now, I, I, I anticipate they'll run a lot of two-back uh, with a tight end or, or a lot of you know tight end with an H-back and a back and, and not play a whole lot of three and four receiver sets. So uh, you're going to have to figure that out. And the solution to that might be Hey, defensive line, please dominate, right? And uh, and get some teams in, in, into some shootouts. So I guess with that, we should probably uh, should probably do our confidence rating for the defense. Uh, will it be better than it was last year? Last year was 33rd. So I, I'm guessing you're going to have a, a, a little tougher time with this than we did
0: with the confidence rating for the offense. Yeah, it is tougher. I mean, you've, you've definitely got some – some pieces that you wish you had your back and, and you wish you could uh, deploy in selective areas. And, and like you said, Naughty is a, a piece that I think only in time we'll get a better idea as to the level of uh, player he was. But I, I do think you're going to have some guys emerge. Uh, I mentioned in the position preview, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me personally to see uh, Walvinsky, I have a, a much better season than maybe some are anticipating. Um, I think there's there's a player there, and if you can get him to consistently uh, play at a high level. I, I also think he might have a, a broader chance to contribute more to some of the conversation that we just had surrounding injuries. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm getting real long-winded about one particular player when I was talking about the unit as a whole. Um, I think they're going to be better. I think you're going to see some times that frustrate the general fan base. You're going to see some third and 14s that we give up. You're going to see some long plays. You're going to be see some confusion uh, with a new scheme. Uh, but I think overall... Uh, particularly as we enter the the October, the back half of October. Uh, the schedule may get a little tougher, but I think you're going to see a unit that gels. Uh, I'm going to put a seven on the board for the confidence meter that we see a better product than last year. Oh,
1: okay. I'm going to go slightly underneath you. I, I agree. And The one thing is that they will be a lot more aggressive than last year's defense. They will fly around more. I think they will play as a team better, and I do think they're getting a lot better coaching especially this year because because last year's team didn't really have the buy-in they didn't play as a unit um, even though their, their results were were pretty decent so I will go ahead and say uh, your seven numbers pretty good I'm gonna go slightly lower with with, with six and a half uh, but it, it it wouldn't shock me I, I think that there's a good chance they get into the you know top 25 right uh, last year 33rd so that'd be moving up by by eight spots you know maybe top 20 I guess we'll see. It's just going to depend on uh, on on some of the health and and can they get that defensive line to really be dominant up front? Because if it is, then then I think I'm going to look bad with my six and a half number. Maybe I should make that more of like a like a seven and a half or an eight. But you know, there are injury concerns and, and some depth spots that are a little bit troublesome, and, and also some spots that have a a whole lot of of talent. So uh, that's kind of it. I guess we probably need to go and do our. Uh, um, our, our season uh, predictions um, I how good do you think this team will be I mean like it's pretty clear that it's gonna be better than last year's based on common sense and like emotional buy-in from the players and the, and the talent level you know I, I think this talent level is probably a little bit down than last year but uh, most of that's on the defensive side I think that'll be offset some by coaching it's just it I mean do you think this will be a top 10 level team do you think this will be a top like thirty level team, a top twenty level team. I, it's very hard to uh, to to predict this. I think. Um, and by the way, when we say this, we don't mean like top ten in the AP poll. The, the no, we're talking about like quality, quantitative measures that adjust for opponent difficulty. So S and P plus FPI. Now that they got that formula all fixed, and FEI. Those are, are generally really good measures of how good a team is, accounting for how good their opponents were as well. Not like, oh, look at this team—they went eleven and one. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, well, they were six and one in close games, and they played like the number ninety schedule in the nation. We're doing this for for consistency purposes, year to year. By the way, Florida State, by almost all metrics, is a top five level schedule this year, top five. That's really tough. Um, I don't know if you want to lead off or, or if you want me to. I. But but I I think that our listeners will actually like this because this is something they they can they can go back and check and um, you know there's a lot
0: less less variance in something like this. This is more true performance,
1: not luck and bounces.
0: My general confidence meter that the team's going to be better is is exceptionally high. Now look, there's a there's a very real possibility that Florida State fans wake up on November 11th and look at the record, and it's not like wildly different than some things that they saw last year. This is going to be an exceptionally tough schedule. Uh, you mentioned it, and it's uh, it's really clustered at times. And it's you know you you may wake up and see your team lose two weekends in a row or something like that. And that that's that's going to be tough for some of the fan base. Uh, but when you look at this season and you look at some of the pieces inherited, uh, it's just not something that's conducive for a, a top you know fifteen type record. Uh, is the roster as a whole a top twenty roster? Do I think they get to perform at a level that's indicative of a top 20 roster? Yeah, I do. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a challenge for some to parse out the general improvement that's taken place and maybe not fully see the level of improvement that's taken place within the program immediately reflected in, uh, in what their record looks and particularly maybe what their record will look uh, midway through November. Hmm. And the November eleventh date, date that I referenced is two weeks after Clemson, where you go and travel to NC State. Never, never an easy proposition, particularly after playing Clemson the week before. And then you travel to uh, South Bend on the uh, on the tenth. So it's it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like like you said,
1: that hey, the, the record might not be drastically different than last year's team. You know, it will be drastically different. It's the schedule strength. It's a lot tougher schedule, especially for a team of Florida State's caliber, right? You may want, you may argue that last year's schedule was tougher to go undefeated against. And by that measure, I, I not, might not disagree with you because of the opener against Alabama. But Alabama still only counts for one loss, right? You also had a lot of games on there that were, in my opinion, considerably easier. Last year, you got to play at Duke. This year, you get to host Virginia Tech. That's a lot different. You know, last year you had Delaware State and Louisiana Monroe. This year you get Northern Illinois, which is a lot better team than, than ULM was. Um, anyway, uh, and I'm going to say that I, I think this team, I, I'm kind of optimistic on, on this team. I, I think that they can play at, at a top 15 level. Maybe top twenty, but somewhere in that fifteen to twenty range, I I feel like like I'm, I feel pretty good about that. I like the talent they have, and, and, I, and I like the buy-in that this TAP has been able to achieve. So I'm going to go ahead and say,
0: say that they'll play somewhere in that like
1: like top fifteen to top twenty
0: range. I think that's uh. I mean I'm I'm right there with you. I think this is a team that plays as a uh, a top twenty team when you when you look at some of the. Uh, more advanced statistics. I think it's a team that you're going to see consistently get better as the year goes on. And, uh, I know you're not a, uh, a fan of bowl games and what they mean, but I, I think this is a team that if you go and you end the year with three losses and a bowl win, then this was a immensely successful season. Uh, I just think you have to kind of tamper expectations, realize what, uh, what your roster looks like, what some other people's roster look like, uh, be conscientious as to kind of some of the clustering of difficulties that occur on the schedule and, uh, be aware that you may not see a a dramatic uptick in the record, but I think the, uh, the broader direction of the program is, uh, is wildly different from, from where we were, you know, 10 months ago, certainly.
1: And the quality of play especially relative to the opponent will be a lot better. And that's really what matters, right? You can't carry a record with you from year to year. You can carry improvements in the quality of play, which is what I really think people need to be focused on here, especially in a single year setting, right? I know people are going to be like, well, Bud, what, how about a win prediction? Like, okay, well, here you go. A top 15 to 20, 20 team against this schedule, they could go 10 and two, they could go seven and five, they could go eight and four, they could go nine and three. That's all really, really in play. Extremely in play. All right. Now, I tend to think that that ten and six and eleven and one and five and seven and twelve and zero are not real realistic. You know, I I think that you got probably I don't know probably about a ninety percent shot of being. In those four, I gave seven and five, eight and four,
0: nine and three, ten and two. Ten and two. just want to be clear, you you said ten and six first, but ten and two is what you bet there. Yep.
1: Oh, ten and two. Excuse
0: me. Yeah, yeah.
1: Any of those are very possible for a team that has to play eight teams in the top forty, including three, you know, top ten to fifteen level teams with Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami. Right. That th- th- these are all really possible. There's such a wide variance when you have a schedule. Like this, even with the team of Florida State's talent. So, this is why I strongly encourage folks to look at at the opponent-adjusted metrics and understand how good their team really is, as opposed as opposed to focusing just on record. Because you absolutely, this year, by the way, Florida State could be the worst or the best team in the state and have the worst record among among the Big Three. Legitimately, could be better than those two and still have a worse record because of the differences in schedule quality. So.
0: It's been a great kind of preseason. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing these with you as always. Thank you to the listener uh, base. We are regularly ranked exceptionally high among uh, really sports podcasts in general, but, but collegiate sports podcast. Uh, thank you to the uh, partners that we have. And uh, we are uh, just as excited as the general fan base is to uh, to continue to do this for a year. And we cannot wait for Monday night and look forward to... Uh, interacting and meeting as many of y'all possible on Sunday. So till then uh, we'll have a Virginia Tech preview out for you shortly and uh, let's let's jump straight into this 20, uh, 2018 season and uh, look forward to all that comes with uh, lethal simplicity.